Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So I want to talk to you tonight about, uh, I guess if I was to give my message a title, it would be God Calling. Um, I think in church quite often we get really intense about things like the call of God. You know, thus saith the Lord. Um, and we mystify things that should be simple. We, and we make it complex because we have fancy language that nobody understands. And we make it weird because we get really intense with it. And, uh, and I want to demystify and de-intensify and yet bring some value to what, what it means to have a call from God. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, if you don't, we got you. It'll be on the screen. But Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to read from verse 9 to 13. Uh, just a real short verse, got four quick points and then we're done. You with me? Remember, there's another bag of red frogs up for grabs, okay? Just... All right, cool, cool. Now you're with me. Here we go. Sometimes we do the right thing for the wrong reason, Okay then in the hope that eventually we'll do the right thing for the right reason. But if it takes red frogs to get the ball rolling, then we're going to get red frogs. That's what we're going to do. Here we go. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Nice people. Um, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I think um, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we're going to have some fun in church. We're going to have some church tonight. <laughs> I think if there's a scripture for me that captures the heart of Jesus, it's this one. If there's a story that captures God's heart for broken people, to me, it's this one. And to me, it's also the one that the church quite often fails to represent Him in the way that we should. And so I want to talk to you tonight out of this Scripture, once again, four quick points just about the call of God. Uh, I want to personalise it a little bit, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get some people up here and baptise. So here we go. The first thing. As Jesus was walking along, He saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Have you ever seen that meme uh, that's going around. It's got Jesus, and he's kind of sitting on a park bench with this God, uh, uh, with this guy, and he's having this conversation. He says, "No, I actually want you to follow me. I'm not talking about Twitter." Have you seen that one? It's really funny. Oh, that's one of my favourites. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Twitter. I actually want you to follow me. And the first part of the call of God is that it starts with a follow. It doesn't start with a pray. It doesn't start with a what you call yourself. It doesn't start with a reputation. It doesn't start with church attendance. It starts with a follow. 
The call of God has to start with a follow. What is it about following? Well, in order, have you ever been driving behind someone? Who here is a good person to follow when you've got somebody? Who here is a terrible person to follow when you've got, because you just get carried away, you're bopping along to the radio, you're running red lights, you're like, yeah, whoa, and then you turn around and the person who's supposed to be following you is in your dust. They've got no idea where you are. And then your phone rings and they go, I lost you about 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Sorry, man, I was just, you know, bopping away to the radio. All right, follow. What is it about follow? Well, follow requires me to keep my eyes fixed on you. If I'm going to follow you, I've got to keep my, my attention on you. I have to see where you are. I have to anticipate where you're going. It requires a daily, regularly, hourly, constant attention to where I'm going. Follow is not respond to a prayer, attend church every now and again, and then just walk however I want to walk and try and figure out where the heck Jesus is. That's not what a follow looks like. That's what I'm talking about. That's not how follow goes, right? Follow doesn't follow the leader doesn't go like that. Because here's the thing: I think most Christians think they know where God is going. And so they think they, they can take shortcuts. I started out following Jesus, but I reckon he's going over there. So I'm just gonna cut through this way. And then you get to wherever the heck you're going, and you're like, he's not here. I'll wait for him. Newsflash! He might not be going there at all. You might not know God just as well as you think you do. I know that He's called me to platform. So I'm going to open up a door for myself and start my ministry. Good luck. Good luck with that. Not me. I'm just going to keep following. Because he changes direction all the time, does all sorts of weird things. I wasn't. That's part of being God. You do all kinds of crazy, unpredictable things, and uh, and uh, yeah. So I'm just going to follow. He says here. He says, "Follow me." But you know what? Follow is not enough. Follow is where it starts. But then Jesus doesn't just say, "Follow me." He says, "Follow me and be my disciple." Oh, hang on, hang on. That's that's a whole other level. I go to church, I give money occasionally, I'm a good person. Follow and be, and be my disciple. What does disciple mean? Well, that means one who adheres to. See, not only am I not taking my eyes off of him, but I'm modeling my behavior and my values off of him. I'm becoming more like him as, as I do this walk. I, I, it amazes me how many Christians have been following Jesus for 20 years and still look nothing like him. It's good. It's good. Follow and be. Follow and be. The thing about this story is that Jesus encounters Matthew at the place of his authority and his success. Matthew is sitting at the tax collector's table. You only sit when you're the person with authority. If you're coming to pay your taxes, you're standing. You, you, you'll come. And so Jesus is not just saying, come and follow and be my disciple, but he's also asking Matthew to leave some things behind. 
Because if you're ever going to follow Jesus, if you're ever going to be a disciple, there's certain things He's going to require you to let go of. Matthew, I need you to follow me. That means your authority, you're going to have to submit your authority to me. You're going to have to do what it is that I'm asking you to do. How you going, mate? Good on you, Matthew. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Maybe later, bro. Got to love a red frog, right? Who doesn't love a red frog? Passion for red frogs overwhelmed him. <laughs> what can you do? Here we have Matthew sitting in his place of authority. I run this show. This is where people bring the money to pay me. I'm the bigwig. I'm the guy in charge. I, I, I have authority here. I have position here. I have status here. This is my income. This is, this is where I gain my income from. This is where all of that stuff's happening. And Jesus just says, come follow me. And Matthew has to, I love this. It says here, Jesus said to him, and Matthew got up and followed. Matthew had to change his position. He had to get up. In other words, there has to be a response when God calls. In other words, there has to be a willingness to let go of some things when God, I have to be willing to forego my authority in favour of His authority. I have to be willing to go from being the boss to being the servant. I have to be, be willing to go, in for, be, go from the guy who's running the show to the guy who is now not running the show. I'm just a disciple. I go from being the one to being one of the twelve. There's a, there's a whole bunch of ramifications to this and yet there's a, a, no hesitation from Matthew. As God speaks, He responds to the call of God. I believe that God is asking us when there's a call, God is asking us for a response. But to me, a call is a little bit like a phone call, right? It's a conversation. You know when someone says, I've got your number? In this case, God's got your number. What does that mean? That means He's calling. God's calling. You've got to pick up. There's a response. When my phone rings, I have to respond. It's no good to go, look, so-and-so is calling me. How awesome is that? I'm going to screenshot that. That's amazing. Can't believe they're calling me. I've got to tell Tone. Hey, Tone, you won't believe who called me the other day. And he's going to say, what did they say? I don't know. I didn't answer, but they called me. It was amazing. I saw their name come up on my screen on my phone. It was incredible. I felt really special that they would call me. I framed it and made it the, new, the wallpaper on my computer so that every time I open my computer, I'm reminded that they called me once. That's so far short of what the call is actually about. See, the call only works when you pick it up and begin a conversation that takes place over the rest of your life where God begins to speak and download things to you. And you say, yep, speak, Lord, I'm listening. And then you have those moments where you feel like you need to talk. God, I just, I got some things I got to tell you. I'm struggling with this. I'm wrestling with that. I'm having a hard time with this. And I can hear him on the other end of the phone going, I understand. It's cool. I got you. My grace is sufficient. We got this. Oh, cool, man. I needed to hear that. Don't hang up. It's like, it's like when you're dating, right? You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. On the count of three, one, two, three. You're still there. Yeah, I'm still there. It's like one of those moments, right? Still there. Still there. I just want to listen to you sleep. For those of you, that's kind of creepy. 
Young people don't do that. That is borderline psychopath behavior. Um, it's messed up, right? The call of God. The phone is ringing. What does it look like if Matthew goes, no, I'm good, man. I'm the guy here. I've got income. I'm wealthy. I've got friends. I've, got, I've obviously got a house because we hear about his house in the next verse. I'm affluent. I'm wealthy. Uh, there's certain people that affiliate with me. I've got a rep to uphold. Um, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm working for the Romans now. So yeah, it's working out for me and, and uh, making good coin. And I'm just building a future for myself and for my family. And, and, and it's good. It's good. I'm comfortable. So I'm just going to ignore the call. That story doesn't make it in the Bible. We see a rich young ruler who hung up on the call. Because, see, the call came reverse charges. And when he heard about the charges, he went, heck no. That's not a charge I can afford to pay. Uh, the call of God on your life will cost you something. Hmm. And then he says, Matthew got up and followed. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And as I read that verse, it suddenly dawned on me. It suddenly dawned on me. The call of God only works when you take it home. It only works right if, if you take it home. It's one thing to have an encounter in a church service on a Sunday night when the baptisms are happening and the emotions are running high and the keyboard players playing that music in the background. I just feel emotional and the lights and the smoke and the passionate young people who are trying to get red frogs. And the pastor's wife, the pastor's wife dancing on the front roads, the joy of the Lord, it wasn't the frogs at all. Gold prize, James Ayton, right? The goal was to worship Jesus, the prize was the red frogs. This call of God thing only works if you take Jesus home. I've been in church my whole life. I went to church nine months before I was born. I was practically born under the front pews of church. I've been here forever. I've been to more church than God because I've been in some services that he wasn't in. Um, <laughs> I've been to band rehearsals and I, I, I done, I've done tours where we played five, six nights a week. I did one tour. We played 21 times in 20 days, right? So I've, I've done a lot, a lot, a lot of church. And I've seen people respond to all the calls, fall down, and do crazy stuff. And cry and get emotional. Walk to the back of the auditorium and hang up Jesus like a cloak on a hook on the back wall. And walk out and just do life the same as what they did before they walked in. And then get frustrated that this call of God thing is not working out for them. Newsflash. It only works if you take him home. He's not a coat that you take off. It's an indwelling. It's something that's supposed to bring internal transformation. It's not something that brings an external uh, shaping and conformity of behavior. We're in the business of heart transformation, not behavior modification. It's not the same thing. 
And Jesus goes missing when I get mad on the road. Jesus goes missing when I'm dealing with my wife or my kids. Jesus definitely went missing when I was dealing with my dog the other night. <laughs> Poor thing, I nearly killed it. Um, <clears throat> I need help, but Dave's going to help me, so it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, <laughs> just saying. He's the devil spawn. No. <laughs> the call of God. The call of God does its best work in your home. If it doesn't do anything in your home, then it doesn't do anything. You know what? Anyone can serve God here. It's easy. A room full of people who love Jesus and are passionate about worship. This is easy. Serving God here. You can just carry it away by the wave of momentum of everybody else's hard work. Worship band get up there and they work their guts out to bring the presence of God. The young people come down the front, they're going to be fired up. You could sing about peanut butter sandwiches and it doesn't matter. They're going to jump, they're going to praise, they're going to bring their A game every week. That's going to happen. And I get to just sit in the back and get carried along by the flow. That's not it. Call of God's got to do something at home. It's got to do something in your marriage. It's got to do something in your friendships. It's got to do something in, or it's not a follow. And it's not a disciple. It's just an attend. Getting a bit excited. Getting a bit excited. I love this bit. I love this bit. Along with many other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does this teacher eat with such scum? First thing, bonus point, just off the side. Isn't it interesting they don't ask Jesus directly? Man, I'm sick of gutless people. <laughs> went real quiet. Red frogs or not, went real quiet. Everybody wants to talk to everybody else about what your problem is, but nobody wants to talk to the person you got the problem with. Man, that's tiring. We're going to talk? Let's talk. We're going to do this? Let's do this. You got a problem? Let's talk about it. There's a difference between peace lovers and peacemakers. Peace lovers, they don't want to rock the boat. Peacemakers, they're willing to go to war if it means we get peace in the end. I want to be a peacemaker, not a peace lover. Anyway, that's just bonus point. I love this. It says, um, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Here's the thing. When you get a call from God, uh, here, here's something that happens. Right? You take him home. It begins to, and instantly people have got something to say. Because... <laughs> Partly because your, your conviction and your passion quite often is unshaped and untamed. Do you remember when you got, first got saved? Does anyone remember when they first came into a relationship with Jesus and it was hot and heavy, right? You, just, you were witnessing to the coat rack. You were witnessing um, to the checkout lady who had to stand there and take your money. So you were going to tell her about Jesus, whether she liked it or not. You're witnessing to the, I'm going to give you this money for the car park, but only after you listen to me about Jesus. You know, the McDonald's chick at the window is dying. <laughs> yep. Okay. 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 D- did you want fries with that? <laughs> you know, but Jesus, but Jesus, yep, yep. Did you want to upsize that at all? You're witnessing to everybody. Passion and fire. And people are upset by the fact that you are unruly and out of control and over the top. And your passion highlights my lack thereof. Which is just awkward, right? I don't need that in my life. I need people that make me feel comfortable. We talked about it this morning. Comfort. 
Comfort is good. Except for if you're designed for purpose, then comfort is confusing, right? Because I get comfortable for a season and then the purpose inside of me just starts to fire up and I think, man, I'd, this is comfortable, but it feels weird. It feels like I should be doing something else or something more. Or, you know, the Bible says we are His workmanship created for something. So if you don't ever find what that something is, and I promise you, that something is never comfortable. I am the introverted kid at school who would have messed his trousers to think of doing this. And yet here we are. Not to say that I haven't. Well, not tonight I haven't, but... (laughs) Truth of the matter is... Everything that God has for you lies outside of comfortable. Because if it was comfortable, everybody would do it. The reason why it's not comfortable is because it's a hard thing to do. And that's why not many people do it. That's why there was only 12 disciples and not 1,200 disciples, right? There was 5,000 people on the hillside getting free lunch. They loved comfortable. They weren't in the upper room though. Hmm. Awkward. Anyway. <laughs> Why does your teacher eat with such a... Here's the thing that I believe, right? <laughs> when you have a call from God, your future impacts your past. There are people in this room who've come from different places and stages and different things and there's regret. I wish that never happened. I wish I'd never been there. Newsflash. Nothing surprises God. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've been up to. He knows all your brokenness and all your broken relationships. He knows every person you've ever hurt or ticked off or said the wrong thing to or failed in some way, shape or form. He knows it all. And he can use it. How, how, how do you reach tax collectors and disreputable people? Well, you need someone on the inside, like Matthew, who invites Jesus around and then as a setup. Invites tax collectors and sinners around as well. And all of a sudden, his future collides with his past. And destiny is formed. Greatness happens. Broken people get to discover Jesus for the first time. Let me tell you, young person, old person, middle-aged person, whoever you are, no matter where you come from, God can use your future to impact your past. I don't care what the brokenness looked like. I don't care where you came from. You're a double agent, man. <laughs> You're a double agent. They thought you were this, but you turned out to be that. And now you've got a foothold in the enemy's camp. Now it's time to do something with that baby. Now it's time, if you take Jesus home with you, you can allow your future to impact on your past rather than your past to impact on your future. All right. Oh, we got to go. We got to go. We got to Stop distracting me. Okay. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come not to those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And the thing that jumped out at me about that, when you've been called from God, you understand his grace. There's an incredible moment there where Jesus presents his heart to say, I'm all about broken people. I've got no time for people who think they've got it all together. 
I'm here for the people who will put their hand up and admit with a level of vulnerability, I need Jesus. I need something. My life is good, but it just feels like there's a piece missing. Oh, my life is rubbish, and I need to feel like there's some way of redeeming all of this brokenness, and all of this trash, and all of this mess, and turning it into something. God has an ability to come to your garage sale and look at all the rubbish you've accumulated and go, I can use that, I can use that, I can use that. I can. We can put purpose on that. We can, make, we can repurpose. It's like that recycling thing where they repurpose old furniture, right? It's like, I can repurpose that. I can do something with that. Hey, Matthew, you know all those tax collectors that you know and, and the disreputable sinners that are in your world? I can, I can use that. I can do something with that because you took me home. It's a reminder of his grace. I, I, I don't stand up here with any level of, I've got this all together. Every time I study God's word, I realize how far I've got to go. And in that, I'm reminded constantly of his amazing, 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 amazing grace. And I put my hand up and I say, God, I'm a sinner. Guilty as charged. Broken. In desperate need of a savior. But I have one. And that's amazing. That's amazing. Jesus is amazing. His grace is amazing. His ability to take my shame, my brokenness, my pain, and be the doctor for my sickness, be the remedy for my ailment, be the cure for my disease. It's nothing short of amazing. You know that old song we used to sing years ago, Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. And what I see is that I need Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 